my listeners, you're listening to the David Kerr Projects podcast. My name's Elise DeBeer, here based at David Kerr Projects Cape Town. Today we have travel writer, novelist, photographer, and poet, Justin Fox. Um, Justin, welcome and thank you for coming to chat with us and give us some of your insights into your work. Thank you, Elise. Good to be here. Being a travel writer, I assume that you're more often than not coming and going from a place. You recently took a trip to Morocco. How is your experience? I've heard that it's quite a magical place. It was a beautiful country, country of stark contrasts. I was I was staggered how big it was. I didn't realize it was such a big country. Uh, and, and the contrast between the Atlantic Ocean and these blue and white cities, um, very Mediterranean feel, and then up over the Atlas Mountains into the Sahara, you suddenly get the, the kind of mud architecture and uh, and that Tuareg and Berber, a Bedouin type uh, feel, um, and then and then the fortress cities, the Caspars. So it was a place place of colours and contrast. Fantastic photographic opportunities, and also quite an interesting history. And uh, yeah, so it was a very stimulating, quick ten day trip trip around <laughs> Morocco. And I saw some of the images that you were putting online from your Morocco trip were photographs were looking at tones and textures and patterns. Is this something that always fascinates you in every location that you go to? Or what mostly fascinates you when you visit these places? Photographically, I, I often pick a theme when I'm in a place. And Morocco naturally lent itself to colors and textures, particularly in the markets, the grains and, 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 the, and, the, and the fabrics and, especially, and the ceramics. So that kind of happened automatically. But if I'm traveling in, in East Africa, the, the theme might be completely different. For instance, I, I, I love sailing and dows. And so I would spend a lot of time in dow harbors in Zanzibar or Lamu or, or Mafia or Mozambique. And there the photography might be all about boats and about sailing. And of course, in, if I'm in traveling in the south of France or something, it might be uh, architecture. Yeah. Or, or so so I, I often pick a theme quite early on, a photographic theme. Uh, and I would also pick a, a, a writing theme fairly early on in a journey yeah so it, it varies i think that helps because then you you start to take full advantage of how unique a certain location is taking out those certain things that interest you it, it gives more variety in your writing then i'm assuming yeah what it does is it, it eliminates the clutter because it's so easy to arrive in a place and be completely overwhelmed by all the possibilities you arrive in paris and you've got art architecture food cuisine theater You've got to find a theme pretty fast because if you if you start trying to take it all in and take and note take either with your writing or with yeah. your photography or with your blogs or whatever and you're trying to cover too much, you often you often just water the whole story down. So it's good to pick the theme the themes early. Yeah, starting and being more focused about the trip and what you want out of it. Yeah. Yeah. When you begin a trip Yes. You go with the intention of turning it into a book or a piece of writing or photographic series, or does that final product only manifest whilst you're on the trip or at the end of the journey? Look, normally I, I travel, most of my travel is about writing articles for magazines. So I will often have a, a commission. Um, what I, I tend to do if I think it's a very fruitful place or I'm going to be spending a long time there, then I'll often look for a secondary theme. 
Um, and so many of my travels are ostensibly firstly and uh, foremost a, a piece of journalism, and then I'll often tack on a photographic or a book writing project onto that. Sometimes I try and tailor the, tailor the theme so that they, that, that they marry each other. For instance, I might have a, be writing a book on a certain theme and I might try and organize a whole lot of journalistic, um, trips that, that will help me with, with the research for that particular project. So with these projects and commissions you go on, um, how do you prefer to document these travels? Is it just through writing, just through photography, or an amalgamation between them all? It's always a, an am amalgamation of everything. The, the the stuff I enjoy the most is the photography. I find that particularly playful and creative. I find the writing the, the hardest by far. Um, uh, and then I find poetry an interesting antidote to, to the long-form writing. But then I also, more and more, I'm required to do video um, because many magazines want to put it on their website. Many people require blogs as well. There is the unwritten journalistic code of now having to do Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Mm. So you can end up chasing your tail uh, <laughs> and doing and, and, and fidgeting and fiddling with a lot of social media platforms as well, which becomes distracting and irritating but is part of the journalistic pa yes. package so really the the really creative interesting trips are where i pick a book project and mm. i go away for a month or two and i put all that other stuff behind me yes. and, and even put the photography behind mm. me and just sit and write each day of course those are the hardest trips and the most taxing but the product is often the most creative okay but i think it's just linking back to you saying we we do live in a time where it's very difficult as a writer and as a journalist kind of have to use all the platforms and um, whether it's photography blogging instagram and writing so i think it can be an advantage making use of all of those but as you're saying sometimes when you're rather just focusing on just writing or just photography putting all your focus there lands up giving you a better product in the end absolutely yeah yeah and then one of your most recent books that you've published back in 2015 was the impossible five Can you tell us a little bit more about the quest and how the book came to be? Sure. Yeah, it was, uh, again, it started off as a journalistic project that I tailored towards a book. I pitched the idea to, to Getaway Magazine that I wanted to try and find the five most difficult mammals to find in South Africa. So instead of the big five, I wanted to find the impossible five. Um, I got sponsorship and then I spent the better part of a couple of years, every few months going on a quest to find one of these animals. So it was the artfark, the pangolin, the riverine rabbit, uh, Cape Mountain leopards and the naturally occurring white lion. So it was a really fun, interesting, long-term journalistic quest that became a book. Which one was the most difficult to find? Oh, they were all terribly hard. Um, I suppose the pangolin would probably have been the hardest one to find. Yeah, I, I started trying. I started looking for it with, with trackers in the Kalahari Desert, mm -hmm. and then gave up. And then joined yeah. a scientist who had one uh, uh, had a transmitter on one, okay. and so we could we could track that down. Even that took a long time. So I mean, they really are the most elusive oh, little critters. Um, and on this quest, were you traveling alone or were you traveling with others? I always went on the journey alone, but then met up with scientists, game rangers, etc., conservationists who would give me the backstory and take me take me out at night looking for these animals. And most of them were nocturnal. Yes. Um, so 
often in my writing, I try and find somebody, a character that I can play off. And so that the dialogue and, and, and somebody else's voice can inform the text. So it's not just me droning on yes. about my, my happy holidays. <laughs> oh, no, wonderful. And do you prefer traveling alone or rather with other people and in groups? I enjoy traveling in groups. It's certainly more fun, but the product is almost invariably weaker. So when I'm traveling on my own, I have nothing but my own company and my notebook and my camera. So I work a lot harder and I think a lot harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's the equation. If you take people along, you have a better trip and you produce yeah. <laughs> less good work. Um, so the book that you produced um, with both hands waving, you on a trip with, uh, you said six? We were, we were six people in two Land Rovers, yeah. yeah. And how was that, working with a group of other writers? Yeah, it was fun. It was writers and photographers and a guide and journalists, and it was really good fun. Um, we were traveling from Durban up the coast of Mozambique to Tanzania, and then we cut back through Malawi, Zimbabwe, and back home. So it was one month on the road, sleeping rough, and it was an incredible adventure, and we had a lot of good, good times together. The book that is produced ends up being a fun, journalistic kind of uh, an early work. Yes. Um, without the gravitas that would come from later works where I set off on a similar journey, but just do it on my own. Also, when you're traveling on your own, you're forced to engage with, with people along the way, and you're not so in the cocoon of your own, of the company of your friends or, 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 or fellow writers. So, and that, and that being forced to engage with other people or being forced to engage with the environment on your own, um, is, is more intellectually, uh, interesting. So what would you say the, uh, the writing styles have been quite different when you're writing Absolutely. A group and when you're on a solo? Yeah, definitely. The, I found that the, when I've traveled in groups, the writing is, 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 is light, uh, fun, mm -hmm. playful, lots of dialogue. And the, and the writing, uh, when I'm traveling on my own is much more serious, more literary, more introspective, more questioning, yes. more self-doubting. Um, and, and tries to interrogate the landscape in a more serious way, I, I suppose, to sound, you know, a little bit highfalutin, yes. but I guess that's, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do in, in, in those solo personal quests. And what I often do in those, on those trips is I, I play off an idea, that I'm, I'm working on as well. So it becomes a, a dual intellectual project. Yes. So there's the landscape and the journey, and then there's something else that I'm, that I'm reflecting off mm. in those kind of writings. And so, because luckily you've had all these experiences of traveling from place to place. And I think what a lot of people might be curious about is when it comes to travel writing is what actually doesn't make it to print. So are there any topics, any experiences that kind of come to mind that you wish you could put to print, but yeah. for some reason just didn't make it? Well, in, the, in, in modern journalism where we're only given a 1,000 words or 1,200 words, I'm leaving all the best stuff out, yeah. basically, because you are so constrained in that magazine journalistic space, your two, three pages, that you're really just ticking the boxes, yes. the, the absolute basics of a place, and all the juicy stuff kind of has to get le left out. So in, the, in, in journalism, that happens anyway. With the books, um, it's more interesting in, in that one leaves out the stuff that is – I ha I have left out the stuff that might be difficult and compromising, um, and and in one sense it might be the, the darker side and the sexual stuff. Um, I have a book in mind about um, a character that could be somebody like me that goes on a sexual quest. Um, 
almost as a, a, a kind of a year abroad pushing the envelope. And that would require a lot of a bravery on my part to go down, to go down that route yes. and to, and to use some of perhaps some of my own experiences and others and, and to really look into, into some of the dark side of, mm. of travel, of, of journeys and traveling and traveling on your own and, yes. and taking risks. I've never gone there. Um, and maybe, I, maybe I'll, I'll get there one day and, and write, and write that book. Yeah. Um, and just mentioning you were saying like you're quite limited to when you're doing those journalistic writings to that thousand word. Do you think that you have more freedom in your books than to, I mean, the contrast between taking yeah. those boxes and then you're writing your books, do you, which do you prefer writing? Kind of just those thousand words where it kind of challenges you to condense an experience into that or that a lot more three, four hundred page version. Yeah, I suppose the enjoy- enjoyment is, is, is a word that doesn't come into yeah. any of this. Um, <laughs> Uh, the writing for the, the journalistic writing now is, 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 is pretty easy and pretty formulaic, particularly at that length. Uh, um, so it's easier. Yes. But the three to four hundred page travel book is, is, is the cross you bear for two, three years and it cripples you and it's an emotionally draining experience. But it certainly produces the most interesting writing and the most interesting challenges intellectually. So that's the, that's the place I really want to be operating. It's the hardest, um, but it is the most interesting. And it allows you to, to, to interrogate a place and a landscape and, and people and cultures and history in a way that you can never come even close to in journalism. No, exactly. And I think what you're saying is harder, but I think it challenges your experience of the space, your writing. So you do land up growing more as a writer in those kind of platforms where it's a bit more difficult, a bit more challenging. Yeah. And the risks are bigger and there are many more opportunities to make, make mistakes, but, but of course that's where the challenge is. Yes. And also when you start pushing, pushing the genre and you mm-hmm. try and experiment with new stuff, then yeah, it's, it's interesting and it's exciting. And you, so the most recent book that you've now published is a wonderful children's book um, called My Great Expedition. The book documents your travels in Europe with your family when you were a young boy. Do you think this book almost marks the point where you caught that elusive travel bug? Absolutely. Um, that trip when I was six years old, is, and now that I look back, it was clearly the moment where I was completely became completely intoxic- intoxicated by travel. And I think that was when it happened. And I've never been the same since that journey, I think. And, and the bug, yeah, the bug certainly, but then. And also it becomes almost like a prelapsarian idyll that it was so perfect, that journey, in the bosom of my family, six years old, mm-hmm. taken around Europe um, um, on boats and in on little islands and in Venice on gondolas and so on. It was absolutely paradise. And perhaps some of what I'm doing for the rest of my life is trying to get back to that place. Um and trying to replicate something of what I felt then. And, of course, that's impossible. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of trying to replicate that childlike freedom of just exploring the yeah. space for the first time. And the sheer wonder of, mm. of all, the, all this otherness yes. and newness. And, uh, yeah. and I can imagine as a six-year-old, seeing being in a gondola must be the most exciting <laughs> thing you can experience. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, so with a writer now having this travel bug and with, your books and the, the creativity that you have. Do you have any advice for people who want to be travel writers or starting out? Um, 
it's it's a tricky profession and and what is happening in the in in the modern world with social media and the internet taking over is that it's very hard to make a living out of travel yes. writing um many bloggers are out there and there are thousands of them and they they're making they're not really making a living they're traveling for free but they're not they're not necessarily earning yes. um so the traditional travel magazines the travel sections of newspapers that that space is yeah it's there but it's it's a much more constrained one than even it was than even 10 years ago so yeah i, I guess you you need to cut your teeth in the magazine newspaper space and in the blogging space um uh, and then and then graduate after you've done your time in those trenches, yes. you graduate to books. Um, but even book travel books are, you know, it's a very limited readership, and it's a it's a it's a niche and becoming more and more of a niche. Yes. Whereas it was a, it had its golden age in the late twentieth century. It seems to be <laughs> it seems to be you know much curtailed. Yes. Um, however, what a, it's an incredibly fulfilling career, and you you see the world. Uh, but it is a tough one, and it's certainly tough to make a living. And and the and the way the way you survive is by being fleet-footed and mm-hmm. and being able to play across many platforms. Um, so the social media, the photography, the video, the journalism, well-rounded yeah. as you can. Correct. Yeah. But that's all the questions I have for you today. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you, Elise. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check us out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We're also on YouTube. If you want to find out more about us as an organization, please see all the links in the description. Thanks.